We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three. We're reacting to week 14 of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cayman alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz recording during a really interesting Monday night game between Arizona and Los Angeles. Kyler Murray made a pretty costly mistake there down uh, at the goal line, uh, throwing an interception. So exciting game happening there. But more importantly, Curtis, how are you doing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, um, I'm doing great from a fan. I'll give two an- two answers from a fantasy perspective. I'm doing great. Um, it's looking like we're going to have a lot of heaters heading into some of these best ball tournaments, Dave. Um, it- it's going to be an exciting final uh, handful of weeks of the season in that regard. Um, you know, I'm in- encouraged at some of my FPC teams in the FFPC uh, realm of things. You know, we're going to have to pour a little bit out for our team Rotoviz squads, uh, <laughs> our co-managed squads. This is so frustrating, man. We made two out of our three mains. Uh, we made the playoffs. And then we're going to throw up one of the high scores of the season with like a 200-pointer in the third-place game <laughs> yeah. after a dud last week. So that that type of stuff stings. But, you know, it's first-world problems, like when you're just lamenting uh, getting third in, in the toughest fantasy competition Um you know, on the planet. So, um, from a fantasy perspective, doing great. Uh, it was a discombobulated day, um, here, uh, here in <laughs> central Ohio. So, so I am getting my wits about me just as we get into the pod, but, um, we'll get settled. All right. Well, that seems like the perfect way for us to get into the player of the week. I have a couple ideas of where you might be going here as you're holding up a, a bottle of buffalo something that looks like a, a bourbon i'm going to assume yes um there was many different places i could have gone here um you know i thought about rashad penny just because it's the only time i'll probably ever be able to give him that award <laughs> i'm not gonna do it i thought about dalvin cook but thursday feels like such ancient history at this point i'm going i'm actually going with josh allen 
Um, Josh Allen, that's why I held up the Buffalo Trace there. Uh, 35.2 fantasy points. He actually overtakes Tom Brady as the overall QB1 in fantasy uh, this season on the strength of that performance. Coming at an absolutely critical time when you have some other high-end quarterbacks um, you know, on by. <laughs> Dave, are you okay? Yeah, Henry the cat. <laughs> I just think decided, Henry the cat just he just tanked this episode. Yeah, he just literally, <laughs> as I'm sure the the dropping of it will make its way into the audio, just came up and just whacked the uh, webcam right off of the desk. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to take a second to recover from. Yep. I just see Dave's laptop spiraling towards the floor <laughs> um, and a loud thwack. Uh, but okay. We were on Josh Allen, you know, 54 passing attempts from Josh Allen, you know, typically going to yield, um, some nice passing fantasy numbers. He did hit, uh, the three Oh eight number there, two passing touchdowns, but we saw something we haven't seen a lot of, uh, from Josh Allen this past week, just totally overtaking, um, the ground game with 12 rushes, 109 yards and a rushing touchdown. That's the type of stuff that wins fantasy championships down the stretch. I think the bills, said to hell with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. This is not working. Um, we're just going to let big Hoss carry the rock. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So good for Josh Allen. Um, Dave, uh, who's the snoozer this week? Oh man. Oh man. I mean, this player here really has been snoozing now for quite a while. And that's Cortland Sutton. Just 1.9 PPR points, two targets, one reception for nine yards and heading into his week 14 game, I had pulled some splits and the splits I looked at were when Jerry Judy played this year and when Jerry Judy didn't play games without Jerry Judy, averaging 9.67 receiving targets, putting up 17 fantasy points games in which Jerry Judy played average targets, 4.3 PPR points. 4.2 and did not do anything to help that out. That average is actually going to move down this week. So not the type of season people would have hoped for from Cortland Sutton and uh, another dud performance merits a snoozer of the week consideration. And with that behind us, let's get into some game notes. We're going to head over to the NFC. Now, heading into the year, there was a lot of excitement about what this Dallas Cowboys offense could look like, given what we had seen last season when Dak Prescott was available. We haven't really checked in on this in a while. So I took the liberty of pulling some offensive stats. Cowboys are second in yards per game behind only Tampa Bay, fourth in pass yards per game, sixth in rush yards per game, and second in points per game. Again, only behind Tampa Bay. So this offense has been functioning, been playing really well where the receivers are right now on a points per game basis. They do not have anybody in that wide receiver one range, but may end up there. CD lamb comes in at 13 with 16.4 per game. Amari Cooper's the wide receiver 26 with 14 points per game. Michael Gallup has only played in six games this year in those game. He's averaging 10.9 points as the wide receiver, 44. A hundred targets for Lamb in 12 games, 74 for Cooper in 11, 48 targets for Gallup in six games. 
Now, the air yard share has been 26.6% to Lamb, 21% for uh, Cooper. Gallup has been down around 13%. Uh, pretty clear, too, when you look at Whopper, you you nearly see that reflected with Lamb at a uh, 0.49, Cooper at 0.37, Gallup at a 0.23. Uh, but my takeaway here, just kind of checking back in on this, is this remains a team that's been really exciting one that can keep three wide receivers fantasy relevant. We've also seen the tight end position be a, a place that has been relevant this year. Then, of course, you have the running backs as well. So it's been a positive season for the Cowboys, and it looks to me like this is going to be a team that's going to continue to post production as we move into next season. So definitely uh, things to be excited about on that front for Dallas. Dave, uh, would it shock you to hear in the AFC that Hunter Renfro he's the, he's the wide receiver 12 overall in fantasy <laughs> after this weekend's contest Hunter Renfro this is crazy man um this guy had 13 catches on uh, 14 targets 117 yards and another touchdown just making the absolute most of um the absence of really any other receiving talent on the squad team without Darren Waller again um, it was a really, really atrocious uh, showing for them against the Chiefs, and it was just check down city. But man, um, Hunter Renfro, 28.7 PPR, wide receiver 12 on the season. And I think at this point, he, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, eh, he's probably never going to have any dynasty value. I still don't think he probably will, but I think he's actually probably like a dynasty startup target for me mm-hmm. next year. Um, like when you get past round 12 and you're, you're past the round two rookie picks and stuff, he's just one of these priority guys that you can, you can plug in week in week out. And he's going to give, I mean, these are like Landry esque peak Landry esque numbers that we're talking about here. Um, I just, I just had to throw some respect there since um, let's see, since week eight, I think was the split that I pulled up. Yeah. Since week eight, the Raiders have played six games. Uh, he's nearly doubled up on the next wide receiver in terms of targets. Zay Jones actually second on the team over that period. That may shock you. Yeah, that, that's actually uh, more shocking than Renfro <laughs> top 12. Zay Jones has 28 targets over the last wow. six games, Dave. Um, he has tripled up Zay Jones in receptions. Um, and there are no other receivers with more than nine receptions on the squad. Uh, and over that period of time, uh, he's tripled up the next receiver in receiving touchdowns. Um, and from a PPR perspective, quadruple more than quadruple, um, Zay Jones and, and Brian Edwards, uh, it, it's really just the Hunter Renfro show. Um, we're gonna have to come up with like a, a, a nickname for him or something at this point. But I mean, when you catch 87.3% of your targets, then you have a 25% target share on a team that's passing the ball a lot. That's going to lead to a lot of fantasy production. And so dare I say it? Hunter Renfro, potentially a league winner down the stretch, Dave. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked now about Hunter Henry a fair amount, and that's because it's impossible not to with what he's doing there. And, you know, when I was looking at some of these offensive stats earlier, I did notice that Las Vegas was a team that was coming up um, pretty high on some of the leaderboards. So if you're getting a huge percentage of that offense, it's going to make sense that we're going to see you scoring up there uh, across a number of metrics as, as we've seen not only uh just with raw production but again you know Renfro was looking pretty good with some of those advanced stats and in case you missed that episode so he's definitely a player 
that we're going to have to revisit and see if the rest of the industry and the rest of the fantasy marketplace kind of, uh, you know, attaches themselves to Renfro or if they're expecting this to kind of be a one off type of season. Making our way back over to the NFC, uh, I felt compelled, Curtis, to just focus on Taysom Hill. Forget about New Orleans. Let's just talk about Taysom Hill. Back-to-back weeks now, we've seen him be the guy for New Orleans. In weeks 13 and 14, if you combine them together, he was the QB3 in scoring those weeks behind only Tom Brady and Justin Herbert. The man threw 34 uh, <laughs> 34 completions on 62 attempts. It's a completion percentage of only 54.8, but still threw two passing touchdowns. But more importantly, man, 22 rushing attempts from 174 yards, 7.9 yards per rushing attempt, two rushing touchdowns in a total of 47 points. We don't know what the future looks like for this team. A lot of moving pieces there in New Orleans. One thing does seem to be pretty apparent. When Taysom Hill plays, he produces fantasy points. Yeah, the uh, the, the big-time move here all season has always been to cover up your Jalen Hurts by with Taysom Hill. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, it, that, the, from day one, that was it. Those were the guys. It's really cool. Uh, it's really cool when that hits. Now, it obviously didn't go the way we planned for Taysom Hill from week one. Um, and the, the team actually started off, you know, the Saints are just such a weird, a weird squad this year, uh, starting so well with Jameis Winston, basically as like a ball, a boring ball control team, yep. uh, off to a five and two start. And then it just all completely fell apart. Um, but now they have something going again and they're, they're just going all in on the ground game, even absent Mark Ingram, who had provided a couple games of pop. It's just hand the ball to Kamara. Let let Hill get his physicality going on and uh, make some you know smart, hopefully high percentage throws. Although Taysom does throw a couple head scratchers um, each game, it looks like so far. But um, the only problem I have with Hill now is on all the squads where I own him and Jalen Hurts. Who do I start each week moving forward? It's going to be uh, a, a flip of the coin, but it might be one of those things where you get twenty five either way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that's actually a very legitimate uh, question that people are going to have that have both of these guys. As we, for many people, have to navigate these playoff matchups. So maybe we will come back and we will actually talk about some of these decisions with those two quarterbacks in particular that people are going to have. So hit our second NFC team. You have anything else for me out in AFC territory? Uh, Yeah, I want to go to Cincinnati. Um, So first of all, that Cincinnati-San Francisco game was just incredible, Dave. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that one yet. Yeah, I did, actually. Um, I did. Insane, man. man. It was an absolute playoff atmosphere. It really did. I mean... And in some ways, you know, both these teams playing for their playoff lives, um, you know, kind of bubble teams at this point, they both really needed it. Um, uh, off, off maligned, uh, uh, Brandon, Ayuk um, making a huge play there at the end of the game, George Kittle, who we talked about, just gushed about last week, just absolutely going off. I think he became the first tight end, um, since 2000 to have back to back 150 yard receiving games or something like that. Uh, saw a pretty interesting stat there. Um, but my takeaway from that game, you know, Jamar Chase had the pair of touchdowns, but if you look back to the last three weeks now, Dave, T Higgins, 29 targets to Jamar Chase's 19. Yep. Um, T Higgins, 20 receptions to Jamar Chase's 13, 366 receiving yards to Jamar Chase's 168. And, uh, they're pacing evenly with two receiving touchdowns each. Um, you know, we were really high on T Higgins entering the season, um, it's one of the things where like at the end of the year, it's probably going to end up working itself out, but the, the season has kind of had miniature seasons within it. You know, Chase got off to his huge start. Higgins was a little ouchy teams start to be seeming to not want Chase to be the reason they get beat. Um, and Higgins also, you know, being a little bit healthier and now where are those new windows that he and Burrow need to operate in since Chase is really the deep threat. Um, and this offense really seems to be figuring that out. I think Higgins is trending back up towards being kind of that one B fantasy asset from a dynasty perspective. And this could be one of those rare squads where, you know, we've we've seen it the last couple of years where Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were both going kind of borderline top 12 wide receivers in, in fantasy drafts. I think this is a situation where in Cincinnati, uh, both of these receivers might be positioned that way next year, uh, especially if Higgins can continue to put up 30 plus percent target share over an extended uh, period of the season. Anything that uh, you would that, that you've noticed, I guess, in the trends in that offense or anything else to add on Higgins? Well, I just think that it's important to note that, like you mentioned, T Higgins, super talented player. We knew that after last season, felt that coming in. And it was easy, I think, for people to lose sight of that with just how exciting of a start Jamar Chase got off to uh, and as good as he's been. But I think you're looking at an offense that sets up in a way where you're going to have two guys really functioning more or less as alphas from a fantasy perspective. And there's no reason that that should not continue. Offense starting to click. You have that good young quarterback. So I just think that they're both players that everyone should be pretty uh, excited about. And I think in comparison to that Cooper Cup, Robert Woods tandem, this is a group that could very much challenge to keep uh, doing what they're doing like Woods and Cup for an even longer duration. We'll have to see. So I think they're a pretty exciting duo. Let's head back. Yeah, I think oh, one, go ahead. Yep. I did, yeah. I wanted to add one other thing there. Um, if you look at the, the air yard share over the first two thirds of the season versus the last three weeks, like basically the entire script has flipped. 
like Jamar Chase was getting 40 to 50 percent uh, percent of the air yard share over the first uh, 11 weeks of the season. T Higgins, 25.9 percent of the air yard share during that time period. If you look at just the last three weeks now, uh, and I'm doing this in the Monday review tool, which is pretty um, great. Dave really has this optimized to make it easy to, to sort through stuff. Um, when you look at the air yard share now, T Higgins last three weeks, 42%, Jamar Chase, just 30%. Um, and so, you know, perhaps the extra attention that Chase is getting from the, uh, the high safety is getting Higgins more one-on-ones. I haven't watched enough of the Bengals snaps over the last three weeks to really know if that's true. But in my mind, that's the story I'm telling myself when I see, you know, air yards, um, you know, flip to that level where it's actually like statistically significant. Yeah, for sure. All right. Over to the NFC, the final team I wanted to talk about here. We've talked about some things going well uh, in the NFC this episode, particularly with Dallas. Let's talk about a team plays in the same division as the Cowboys that has not had a lot go well this year. And that is the New York Giants. I spent a little bit of time, Curtis, looking at their wide receivers. Um, Sterling Shepard in six games did manage to put up twelve, an average of 12.3 uh, PPR points per game. Kadarius Toney had a pretty nice stretch of games, has been dealing with some health issues. I think that right now he's currently dealing with COVID, could miss another game. He's at only 9.45 points per game. Then Kenny Galladay at just 7 points per game, Darius Layden at 5.1 points per game. So they had an interesting group of receivers. I think a lot of people thought that maybe one or two of them could string together a good season. That really hasn't come to fruition. And for Kenny Galladay, it has been an absolute disaster, Curtis. Just one week as a wide receiver two, no weeks as a wide receiver one, has not gone for more than eight points since week four put up a zero spot against Dallas in week five uh, is just wide receiver 56 and expected points per game, but wide receiver 223 in fantasy points over <laughs> expectation <laughs> per game. So completely, uh, completely inefficient. Um, 126 in total touchdowns, 47th in air yards, 70th in racer, uh, 79th in PPR per game. This has just been an absolute disaster for him going to New York. And the sad thing is, is despite the fact that I think there's some talent with these players, it's going to be an uphill battle, I feel like, really for any of them to ascend to where they could on maybe just an average situation elsewhere. Uh, So just a huge bummer of a season for people that were excited about Kenny Galladay, thought that he'd be able to make things work in New York. Um yeah, just just not not a lot of good things to report there for this Giants offense. Yeah, I mean Mike Mike Glennon isn't really the best situation to evaluate the talent that you have uh on hand either. Um, you know, if you do get some remaining snaps uh the rest of the season from Kadarius Tony, um I, I don't I mean Glennon's probably not the guy uh to really help you evaluate what you have there the barkley trade rumors are really curious yeah. um it's like not even at a time of year um where you would think anything like nobody's talking about those types of deals in the nfl front offices right now we're past the trade deadline we're not near the you know uh the ending of the current league year beginning of the next league year um it seems like maybe his agent maybe barkley is frustrated 
um, with the situation in, in New York and uh, trying to create a stir there. So, yeah, it really is um, off the rails. You got to wonder if, if Judge is going to make it through. Um, they've already moved on from Garrett. Uh, perhaps, you know, that was a move to try to save his own job. But I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know how you don't look at that whole thing and just um, question how you're not going to blow it all up. Um, a team that is maybe trending the opposite direction. They could have been they could have been headed for a similar fate this year. But over the last five weeks, they have really turned it around. Is the Denver Broncos? Um, the Broncos are pretty hot, Dave. Pretty <laughs> yeah, they hot. are. They are. Um, and in, in particular, in the backfield. I mean, uh, Teddy Ballgame is doing enough as a quarterback to keep him in it. And Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, man, they just turned into another really impressive week, uh, both with over 20 PPR, um, 39 rushing attempts between the two of them. Uh, of course, you know, anytime you play the Lions, it's a good week to get healthy. Um, but, you know, both of these guys, um, look like they can be fantasy contributors um, down the stretch. Um, both of the tight ends getting involved with Fanton and Okuibunum, uh, you know, filling up the stat sheet. I, I think the the Russell Wilson um, way, potentially waived the no trade clause report that came out this last week with Denver being listed as one of those teams. That's pretty interesting. Um, and I think Denver turning it around, perhaps you get interest from Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers that might not have been there uh, in the second week of October when this team was just looking like it was going to be, you know, ready to fall off the edge of the cliff. Uh, A a better quarterback would potentially unlock the upside of some of those receivers. You mentioned Cortland Sutton as the snoozer. I don't think he just all of a sudden, you know, lost all his ability, but you know, the team is winning how it can win. Um, They're just winning how it can win right now. And everything's flowing through the run game. They're basically doing, what the Browns were doing at the beginning of the season um, and except having success with it, where the Cleveland's fallen off, the Broncos have, have struck that gold um, with strong offensive line play and strong contributions from the backfield. So um, Javante Williams, I think my takeaway looking at this Broncos team after week 14, Javante Williams, he's, he's got to be in that top five dynasty running back conversation for people at this point. Um, He's definitely knocking on the door. And if you don't have him there, you at least got to have him in that five eight range. I think, depending on how elite you think some of these um, older players will be next season, um, but they're definitely going to be one of the really interesting teams to watch uh, heading into the twenty twenty two league year. Definitely, and we've talked about how stellar uh, Williams has been in the advanced metrics. He's been so good that you know it was easy for anybody looking through these numbers to see that there was definitely some signal there that this guy should be able to succeed. But one other thing that I think people can feel good about as they start to invest heavily into Williams is Melvin Gordon's numbers have been pretty well. They've been pretty strong as well. Now, some of these are related to the player, but it's, you know, you can't entirely disentangle the impact that the surrounding team in the offensive line play might have. So these are guys that are both pretty high in yards before contact, uh, pretty solid in overall yards per attempt then you couple that with the fact that Javante Williams has an 18.6 percent broken tackle percentage which is higher than nearly every other player in the league's evasion percentage uh and you just think about how Melvin Gordon has been doing Melvin Gordon's actually at a pace of um 
one of the one of the best in the league, Curtis, uh, in terms of attempts per touchdown. The number that it is escapes me right now, but he's significantly ahead of Javante Williams. So you start to think about some point where some of these situations change if it's only Williams or if Williams is the lead guy, and there's even some more upside there for him to capture. So just can't understate how excited people should be about Javante Williams. I think he has an opportunity to to close the season um, with even more of a heater. Uh, this was actually his third straight game with uh, 20 or more PPR. And if you look at weeks 15 uh, and 16 in particular, uh, Denver uh, really has a nice schedule with Cincinnati and Las Vegas representing the second best uh, fantasy schedule for any running back. Um, and then even if you look over the last four Weeks of the season, Denver has a top seven schedule for opposing uh, running backs with plus matchups against the Bengals and Raiders already mentioned. But in week 18, they get that matchup with Kansas City and Denver potentially still hanging on to some playoff life if they can continue to win um, over uh, that stretch, that final stretch of the season. So um, all eyes on mile high as the season comes to a close. For sure. So we wish everybody the best of luck that your Monday night game went exceedingly well that you're listening to this on Tuesday, either on your way into the playoffs or maybe with a fantasy championship or two underneath your belt, ready to head into that larger field tournament, wherever you play, we will be back uh, two more times this week. You have any questions at all, any topics you want us to discuss, please let us know. You'll find out how to reach us in a moment. And again, Hope that you are either a champion or in the playoffs. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>